Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Caden Faint was born in South Australia and currently calls the New South Wales town of Cobar home. He has just released his debut single, Hometown Fantasy, and it does not sound like the work of a newcomer. So I'm sure there are some stories there, which I'm going to ask him about and a few other things. Hello, Baden. G'day. How are we going? I'm very well, thank you. And how is Cobar? Yeah, not too bad. Didn't quite get to 40 today, I don't reckon. So just a mild day for you. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. <laughs> and it's mainly a dry heat? Yeah, yeah, would do. Although last couple of weeks um, there's been been uh, been a couple of uncharacteristically humid days and not enough wind, see, but Everyone's surprised. Bloody, uh, what's this bloody stuff falling from the sky? See, <laughs> because yes, I would imagine there's not there's not as much rainfall there, perhaps as the farmers would like. No, no. Well, depends where you live. It could flood you out and trap you, or you could be cheering. Depends. That's <laughs> true. Now, I'm not going to start um, asking you about music because you have quite an interesting uh, background that I think is music adjacent which is about yeah. sport. So you played a lot of sport growing up and I tend to think there are correlations between playing sport and, and learning an instrument, for example, although you liked team sports and now you're a solo artist. So I find that interesting. Well, see, well, I guess every, every, every kid in the country town, bloody, uh, you know, does all this, but well, do every sport you can really. And I was, I was pretty well the same. Mum was a bit of gun at hockey. So we did a fair bit of that. And, uh, Pop used to play for bloody Parramatta back in the day, so I naturally played played a bit of footy and all that. But um, I think it it ended up taking over the karate and the Muay Thai and all that when I was, uh, and that sort of took over everything. So that was a bit more solo. See, so. yeah, uh, I was I actually had a question about the karate and you brought it up, um, so I will ask it now. Now you have a black belt, I understand. Yeah, yeah, found one of those. Yep, it wasn't leather; it was cotton. This one, but. <laughs> didn't earn it, found it. <laughs> oh yeah, just found it. No, it was pretty um it was a pretty pretty wild old experience. Um yeah, a few days and a fair few bruises and batted. Uh loved it. It was um awesome. I ended up starting teaching and and all that um before I before I left town and yeah, it took up a fair bit of my life. I think probably uh probably started at similar times I started guitar. Yeah, interesting. Um, and you just mentioned Muay Thai as well. So you are a kickboxer. Yeah, a little bit of everything I could and tried a bit of judo out. It's all good, bit of bit of wrestling, bit of bit of fighting, kicking and yeah. So given that you try to like so judo, also a martial art, karate yeah. obviously was the one you stuck with the most. So what's better about karate over judo? Oh, I don't know. Um I was pretty all right. Kicking people in the head every now and then, so um, <laughs> I did like that part. Yeah, striking, punching, kicking, carrying on is pretty um, slightly easier, I'd reckon, than the grappling, grappling and tossing. Um, I don't know it's pretty satisfying to slap some pads or um, you know go and go and trade some trade some punches. You know, it's very satisfying. I'm quite fond of saying that I think humans need to whack things on a regular oh, yeah. basis. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a bloody good answer. 
Um, yeah, it's I think it's yeah. You know, it just in terms of managing stress and all those sorts of things. It, if it were more socially acceptable to whack stuff, just as you're walking along the street, just a few you know punching bags set up on a street corner, a bit of a whack. Yeah. Well, that's what we used to do back in the day. I mean, I had five mates. We'd go and study for school. We're up till five o'clock watching videos. We'd go and train at five o'clock in the morning, go for a run, go punch some trees and just wander around. Yeah. Punch some no trees. No one could see us. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't think we were bloody crazy. That was good. Uh, well, as you mentioned punching trees, I have to ask, is that how you got two broken hands? Uh, there was a cinder block involved. Um, <laughs> well, so one broken hand, I busted a fair few times, and I thought you got to do a few demonstrations, see the to grade two the black belts and things. And I thought everyone just likes to see things break because I broke a few pretty sizable ice blocks one time, and they're all cheering about that. So yeah. I thought, oh, let's just break a few things. And I went, oh, we'll go find this cinder block. Uh, yeah, I wandered in with a um. With one of my hands at a boxing match in um, uh, Orange, it was. Yeah, and I was, oh, hey, how you going? There's a few people there, you know, training with over the years. And, oh, what'd you do to hand? Oh, yeah, uh, bloody cinder block. It was a bit tough, wasn't it? Um, yeah, went and iced me, iced me um, hand with a schooner at the pub afterwards. And I think someone jammed a, jammed a pool cue in it. So it uh, bent it up a little bit, made it worse for wear. But they said, oh, yeah, with that. Oh, the, the fake concrete. I'm like, oh, well, no one told me it was fake concrete. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, um, sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, just be, uh, the the other one was a bit bit less. We were just um, wrestling around, I think, in Queensland. And um, your pinky just, well, you probably see it just doesn't quite, which is bad for a fretting hand. It doesn't stretch. <laughs> mm. um, but, uh, yeah, so that one was, was actually proper wrestling. Um, Broken, twisted, just trying to jam it back in, and right, yeah, it wasn't just dislocated, obviously. <laughs> and now it's super flexible. Have a look at it, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, flexible. Turn in the wrong direction. Yeah. Khaki. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the time you did these things to your hands, were you already a guitarist? I yeah. So by that stage, see, through through high school and that, I'd I'd, I'd been doing the guitar, and I was. A, a little bit handy um, doing the finger picking and and all that sort of sort of stuff, um, but I, it faded off a little bit afterwards um, for a few reasons here and there. But you know, just sort of fell to the wayside after school, and you go and do other things, and mm-hmm. yeah, just sort of dropped off. So I wasn't too concerned about guitar at that stage. Yeah. So the timing was actually quite good for you to break your hands because yeah had no important things going on yeah <laughs> now i believe there was one song in particular that sparked your interest and in, in music and it was old man emu by john williamson <laughs> what was it about that song and how old were you i i i'm i've been struggling to figure out what age i was but i i just remember there's you've got that little snippet in your mind you know mm-hmm. of, of something that's happened and i remember because that was my first youth with pops pops old au one tonner and um, they had the CD player and tape tape deck and everything in it, sort of thing. And that was that was in there. And I just remember oh, it must have been foggy. I could have been five. I could have been ten. You know. Um, but yeah, old man Amy off that humble beginnings album. Mm-hmm. And once you once you 
loved that. Did you just then go on a trajectory of listening to a whole lot of things? Yeah, there was a few things. I mean, we and Dad had staples. We had Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, Macadaka, Nickelback, like had a decent spread of um, music sort of around there. Um, but what really sparked it was uh, sort of my mate. Mate had a bit of a place. Um, he's uh, he was living living with his pop at the band shed sort of thing, and heaps of guitars went through there, young and old, all just music. It was a great sort of environment. That sort of really kicked it. I mean, in the early days, there was a bit of bit of uh, bit of uh, what do you call Pete Murray? I remember my cousin's cousin from Mo Long come around. They had a little book. And I'm like, oh, I want to try singing. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> Funnily enough, you can sing while playing the guitar. Don't well, know how well. It's a, you know, it's, it is a, a combination of skills that not everyone has. But yeah. you clearly do. So when you started singing, did you think, oh, this is all right, I can keep doing this? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. It was a fair bit of pressure off uh, one of my mates. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, just just get on stage, just do it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I play guitar, I don't sing. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. Definitely opened a few um, few little opportunities here and there. So when did you start performing properly, not not being pressured by your mates to do so? <laughs> well, I mean, through through school and sort of a little bit after, there was sort of like a bit of a bit of an open mic in town. EJ's Muse as it was, and you sort of have all the bands or little solo things. And me and a few mates got up, play guitars, and uh, you know, again, not not a great deal of singing on my end. Um, but a couple little school school um, school things, nothing major. I only really picked it up once I left town and left left relationship, left everything behind, and sort of. That was what I had because I had no, yeah, had no sort of friends or family around. So mm-hmm. I sort of, oh, let's get back to what I do. And, um, yeah, picked it all back up again proper. Yeah, right. So was, was it almost like because you didn't have all those observers who might have certain ideas about who you are as a person or who you are as a performer that you could just be free in that sense and, and start singing? Yeah, pretty well. And I'm, I've always been shocking on stage. So, like, I still shake. Um, it's ridiculous. But I, I still bloody shake. So I thought I'd, I'd once I'd once I'd moved out, and got the guitar and picked up, started writing a few more songs here and there and um, just wanted to get on stage. As I was basically a slim busty bloody John Williamson cover band, <laughs> like, um, which I did change my tune a little bit later on, a fair bit, actually. Um but I just started playing a few open gigs at this winery down in uh, Tilba on the south coast. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a couple open mics and said, oh, whatever, we pay you for this. And, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, we could, we could do it. <laughs> it's <laughs> good. It's great. Yeah. You give me money to do something I was doing anyway. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so obviously they, they heard you on the open mic night and thought, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You can sing in tune every now and then at least. Like, <laughs> not enough uh, Enough not to drive the customers away. Um, yeah. So when so you said you were doing a bit of writing. When did you start writing songs? I mean, I did write a song in high school or a couple, but being of that age, of course, it's only about one thing. Girls. <laughs> Don't know if it's changed heaps, but <laughs> <laughs> a few more experiences thrown in there. But yeah, there was a couple of songs about girls in 
in primary school, but when I got stuck right back into the writing, it was just a mass of everything, looking back on life and that sort of thing. Um, obviously, yeah, four years after school down the track sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because as I said at the top, Hometown Fantasy, which is your debut single, does not sound like the work of, of a beginner. So I was that's why I wanted to ask because I was thinking you had to have written quite a few songs before you got to this one. So I'm wondering why you decided this this would be the one that you recorded and released first. Well, um, it was probably, um, that was probably when I went into the studio with Garth, um, that was probably one of the later songs written, although it's more like the timeline in terms of sort of also the first. Right. So it was, and mind you, that was that was written a year, maybe two ago. Okay. Um, yeah, can't quite remember the timeline, but it, um, yeah, sort of wanted to release it first because it was, um, it was, I don't know, there's something about it. It wasn't wasn't a hundred percent the same vein as the they're all completely different every every song I've, I've done you know they're, they're they're different in in their own sort of ways but that one was sort of um i don't know it just sort of made its way to be that's going to be the first release and that's it's got the story behind it it's like an origin story it's got the timeline like this will be you know see how it goes didn't yeah. think it would go anywhere but it's gone a couple of places so yeah. And it's only just out at the time we're speaking. So I actually did have the the phrase origin story in mind when I was asking the question. So could you tell us the story behind the song and why why it makes a good origin story for you? Yeah, well, I mean, um it's always hard when when anyone asks you what you what it's about, because as you might might know, it's um there's a couple there's a couple of verses left out, but um Essentially, like, uh, it is about the time before and bridging on picking back up the guitar again. And it's sort of about a relationship where, I mean, it had all its good parts, sure. Um, Especially lines like like, um, saying hindsight's a myth and that sort of thing, like hindsight's 2020, you're supposed to know. But three o'clock in the morning, writing the song, bottle of tiny deep and, Sitting with nothing but time for thinking, it's um, you sort of forget all the all the bad parts, and you only remember the good, good feeling and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like just missing that. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing, the whole song is basically sort of a to and fro of, of oh, this was good, but it needed it needed to happen. I uh, need to leave this and needed need to leave the relationship, need to leave the town, do all that to figure out myself, mm-hmm. um, figuring out myself on my own and um, all that sort of stuff. And that's that's sort of what it's like. I'm terrible at explaining. But, Not uh, at all. Um, and yeah. I also think it's interesting the use of the word fantasy because that could mean either like it's it's the the dream that you want to have or it could mean the delusion you had like it, it, this was a fantasy of the life i thought i would have 
yeah exactly right and that's like that's pretty well how how i sort of read it you know it was, it was sort of the double mm-hmm. you know you're the biggest mistake or things like that like yeah ignorance is bliss but you're still ignorant you know yeah <laughs> and the hometown fantasy is pretty well like yeah the pipe dream also like that white picket fence mm-hmm. dream you know mm-hmm. yeah Kids. which suits some people but not others it does and i don't think i don't think it's what i really wanted <laughs> <laughs> took me Are a while you- to figure yeah, and it's and and I guess um, art is a way of figuring it out as well. So maybe in the writing of the song, there were some things you could sort out. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And that's 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 how I write a song. Like, I don't. I think that's what Garth like. That's I think that's why Garth bloody called me in the beginning because he and um, going through all the songs. It's like you don't you're not writing songs for people. You just write songs for yourself, and and that's sort of what it is because. When I moved away, it happened to be at, at the time of the bushfires and that, and I was just working. It was sort of like a very isolated time, and it was um, that's sort of a lot of them are uh, me working through stuff. Like some of them sort of sound really like just a conversation with myself, and that's mm-hmm. that one's not um, not any different, you know. Just working that out. Yeah, and that's. I think it's fine for a writer to have a conversation with themselves because in in being specific about things as you have been, that actually connects with people much more than if you're just trying to be vague and if you're trying to appeal to the biggest the biggest mass of people you could, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now you said you left out a couple of verses. Was that for reasons of length or just because when you went to record them, you thought, oh no, too too specific, maybe? No, it was it was. Pretty much only reasons for length. There's, there's, there was a bit more to the story, but I feel like we captured the whole story with the verses were there. But um, I was sort of pushed to, you know, um, make it shorter. So, you know, people want to put it on radio and things like that, which it has. So I mean, make it just that tiny bit shorter. Yeah, it's yeah, radio likes a shorter song. Now I'm guessing the Garth you're referring to is Garth Porter. Yeah. Yep. So how did he come to hear your music? Well, um, as I said before, uh, getting a bit dry. Um, as I said before, I was, I was playing those open mics, turned into gigs and that sort of thing. And at that same winery, they sort of uh, held like a, it's a beautiful place, by the way. They've got like this little curry, curry shack just overlooking the lake and, and that sort of thing. And they got some bloody good tourney court there, actually. Um, so I was pretty satisfied and uh, ended up in a bit of a like mini little music festival. You know, I had a few people playing playing for the day. Um, and one of the one of the people who was also playing, Melanie, Melanie Hornsell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she might have she might have went up to the studio one time and uh, she actually told him, um, said, Oh hey. Look at this bloke, and you know he's he's pretty good. Like that's great. And she said, "Oh, you know, I'll pass the information on, and oh, you should ring this bloke." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right." Like, I'm able in times, right? Like, no, nah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then he just rang me out of the blue one day and had a big long yarn and said, "Oh, I like what you're doing. Like, you want to come in and do something with it?" I'm like, "Oh, huh. oh, I'm not right now. Oh, maybe down the track, you know, like." 
I was sort of umming and ah, and I got to the stage where I was just like, nah, bugger this. I mean, you got to do it once at least. I mean, and it was amazing, like just a completely, completely different experience. Like waking up top of the studio, looking around, you see all, all the bloody gold and platinum bloody records hanging around on the pool table, just sleeping on a lounge upstairs. And <laughs> it was just an awesome experience, and I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I did it. But yeah, it was sort of just dumb luck, really. Well, so, yeah, I think you know, luck can happen, but you've got to be ready for it, right? And obviously, yeah. you had the songs and you've been performing. And I also, from what I understand, Rod McCormack was also in that studio. Yeah, yeah, and um, he was he was a big player of. Uh, uh, when when it came to, he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll get a get a band behind you." I'm like, oh, right. yep, righto, no worries. We'll we'll do this. This is something we've never done before, but we'll do it. Um, and one of the one of the big sort of cruxes of oh, when should we do it? When when can we get in? Was making sure could get Rod along because I love Rod stuff. Like he's he's a bloody awesome. Well, you know, he's a bloody awesome guitarist. Anything with strings, banjo, mandolin. Yeah, right. You know, just amazing. So I was like, I've got to work with this guy. He's so cool. And so when you came to the studio, this was to record the EP, which is due for release later this year sometime. So you recorded five tracks. Um, I imagine it was a bit of a baptism by fire because, as you said, you hadn't played with a band before. You suddenly oh, yeah. the studio going. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly right. And I, I was very um, very taken about it. I, um, I took a mate in. He, he'd, um, he'd done a couple of the couple of the songs on guitar, he'd send a few riffs, a few chord progression of that, and I'd come around and, you know, we'd have a jam and I'd throw some lyrics on it. And so he'd come around and I think he ended up playing all the guitar oh. on the album Bar Hometown Fantasy um, uh, because we had to, we, when we're all separated, we played it all live yeah. and just, we were just in our little rooms right, looking across through the windows at each other, you know. Um, yeah, oh, wild experience. But yeah, trial by fire is like, oh, it, it seems pretty rushed, but like, you know, we'll get it all out in one day. And, you know, it's real hard for you to get to Sydney and all this. So mm-hmm. do the work while we're here and got stuck in. Yeah, it was trial by fire <laughs> by all means. And I, th- yeah. I was pretty crook, actually. Oh, no. um, pretty crook, actually, because, you know, you go to the big smoke, you might um, go and visit the locals. Um, <laughs> Local water and holes. Uh, I did end up a bit, bit crook recording it and that, so um, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I'm sure it just gave a bit of, you know, a bit of an edge to your voice, oh, yeah. certain yeah. quality. <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit of character about it. That's the word, character. Um, yeah. Now you also made a video for Hometown Fantasy, and you worked with Jerry Manette. And given that you know you were in the studio for the first time, you've also made your first ever music video. So how was that experience? Yeah, well, that was another thing. Like, uh, Garth was like, "Oh, yeah, you're gonna do a music video." I'm like, "Oh, no, nah, nah, I don't need that." I was, you know, just throw it out there. So I'll listen to it. You know, no, no, no. Oh, it'd be good, right up, right up. So, and I caught up, Jeremy. He's bloody awesome. Like, pretty decent mates with him at the moment. Like, he's um, he's bloody fantastic. And the way way he described it, like, I think it's it's one of his one of his favorite videos he's done. Um, and he said, oh, we're not doing, you know, here truck, see truck, just tell the story, you know, and said, right, so we'll tell this story with, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it a bit like a, 
half little swaggy sort of thing. And um, I was just amazed. We we went out to the mate's property and I caught up for him uh, for a beer. He was, he was a bit bit standoffish for the beer. Um, he said, oh, you know, I'm, like, oh, I'm finishing work. I've got four hours, four hours till I'm getting where you are. Because it was like we had to find a midway point between um, Newey and Newey and Cobar, so we found it and went out to the mate's mate's place. Um, stopped in for a beer. He said, "Oh, you know what? I can stick around. The beers out here are actually pretty cheap." So yeah, that bloody oh. So we had a few beers and had a good talk. Went through all the video. Um, and yeah, come out the next day and we just went went straight through the whole thing and um, all day and sat down at the end of it. Like, oh, you know, this will be pretty good. One day, like, I don't know how it'll go. We sat down and we. Had the, had the big fire in the background, like had our little fire by the dam by the house there in the video scene. But um, the boys had gotten the petrol in the back paddock and their big pile of <laughs> big pile of sticks over there, giving a bit more light. So um, it's like, oh, I want to join their, their fire, looks better than mine. I don't know about this. <laughs> we ended up joining, just playing guitar and you know, having a few drinks, having a bit of tucker around with friends. It was bloody, it was just a yeah, great experience. And the next day, after he gets home, he's like, oh, it's done. Right, eh? Show yeah. us. And I was blown away. I thought it's made me just love the song so much more than if it was just the recording, you know? And it told the story and it wasn't other than me head couldn't change that. But it just did a real good job of connecting the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And connecting the story and the emotion behind it in a visual way as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was very, very impressed with that. I was blown away, actually. Yeah, it is a really poignant piece of work, actually. That video, and it's, yeah. I think it's another reason why when I heard the song and then saw the video, I thought, well, yeah, this is this is not the sort of thing I'd expect from someone who's releasing their very first song. Also, because to be in that video, you have to embody a character almost, and even if the character's you, you still got to play a role. Yeah, play me in that headspace over there. Like I'm pretty smiling um, sort of person most of the time. Um, to to get back into that that emotion of those times when writing the songs, yeah, it was different. I don't know if I did it justice, but. Uh, Oh, no, yeah. a, I think it's a it's a great video. Now that the song's out in the world, um, are you feeling like there's, there's that process of you've, you've held your story close and now you've let it go and it's for other people to interpret? Yeah, it's um, pretty wild. But, I mean, even if they don't, I mean, as you said, it's a debut album. It's, a, it's my first crack at this. Um, even if they don't take 100% of my story, mm-hmm. Like if they can relate part of it or more, even all of it, if they, if they can relate that to a similar experience they've had or a similar feeling, you know, mm-hmm. breaking away from that, that white picket fence dream or, uh, you know, that sort of thing, that's that's awesome. And I love I love that. Not, uh, not playing so much for people, it's an odd feeling when people are like, oh, yeah, man, like I... Like this is what I'm feeling. Like those those lyrics, yeah, that was me. Like last year, or, or this and that. That's actually awesome. That's yeah, 
So it it's is. sort of scary getting yourself out there, but at the same time, it's it's real good when you get sort of feedback like that. So you've recorded these five songs. I would imagine that you have other songs you've written. Are you a songwriter who just keeps writing when the ideas come to you or do you just set aside some time every now and again to write? Nah, I'm not a set-asider. <laughs> I'm not a set-asider. I, I, yeah, nah, if I sat down and write a song now, wouldn't have right. at all. Um, I just wrote another song last weekend um, I was pretty proud of. Um and it was a chance meeting of somebody and a, and a story of theirs, sort of what we got up to. Um, but I was I was a little bit distracted for a second and I heard me mate in the lounge room. I was staying over at his. I was racing to the sea. And, um, I was, um, yeah, doing something else. And I heard him in the lounge room on the, on the banjo. Uh-huh. Like, oh, hang on, hang on. Raced out there. He's picked back up the tunnel. That riff, play that right now. Let's go. Righto. Sung. And we're like, this is awesome. This is, you know, so that inspiration there. But also, um, like, when me and him are working together, that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's like, he's placed up. Hang on. Go back to that. That's cool. Um, but a lot of the time, it's, and it's mentioned in that song, like, sitting on swing at 3 a.m., you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what I was doing. I was sitting on swing. I was out front of pops and uh, you know sleeping on thorny, smoking, drinking, and just alone with my thoughts, overthinking a bit much. But I've written songs, fair bit of driving out here, fair bit of country to cover mm-hmm. um, on the road. I'll do you know, and I'll sort of oh, I write songs while I'm driving because there's a lot of driving. I think I racked up like eighty thousand k's last year or something. Stupid. And that was just working. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think but, it is a yeah. feature of it's a feature of life um, in the bush that yeah, you know, even going down the road at the shops is a long drive. Yeah, where's down the road? Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you are writing songs in the car, do you pull over and record them in a voice memo, or do you just keep singing them to yourself till you get to a place where you can do that? I absolutely responsibly pull over every time I have an idea and jot them down. That's, that's and, a wonderful answer. But uh, or as the words, if there's just words, I'll I'll um I'll drop them down on on notes or something like that. But if I get the words and I start to think of maybe a melody or something, I'll send it through to me mate, just to just so there's like a catalog of you know oh, I had this idea for for a chorus and this sort of where I wanted the melody to go. Oh, maybe you'll figure out some guitar or maybe I'll figure out some guitar and but something to revisit later. So sort of a, a fair bit of me just writing words down on the road because no time to sit down with the guitar until mm-hmm. uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other night, like I was sitting down, I was just staring up through the trees um, at the stars, thinking about a couple of things that were going on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just grabbed the guitar and, sat down with it and uh, grabbed the harmonica and uh, did it that way. So it's sort of, those are pretty well the three ways. It's late at night, having a drink or contemplating or on the road or uh, a little jam session. So when you say you write them down, do you actually write them down with a pen or a pencil, old-fashioned style? It's really hard to drive with a pen and a pencil. Oh, no, no, it's just you were saying, you were saying, I'll write them down. I was like, don't tell me you actually 
like you actually like put them down on paper. Who does that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> and which is actually to my detriment because I'm I'm a big uh, I've got a strained relationship with technology at times, and um, it'd be much better if I just wrote it down on a piece of paper. I'd um, have access to that, like trying to scroll through all my notes and find, oh, this is a verse I wrote here, or this is a, this is a, oh, better better finish writing this song, shouldn't I? Yeah, well, maybe this is the time to start. Take a pen and paper with you in the car. Who knows? Exactly right. <laughs> well, Baden, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the songs on that EP. I imagine you have a release schedule in mind. You're going to roll them out and then release the EP after all five songs have come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, th- I think the idea is to do a couple and then release the EP. But I, uh, I've also got another EP's worth of songs written and right. um, mostly done, um, sort of ready to go. So hopefully, I can also track back to the studio if Garth will have me and uh, keep it coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be an album. <laughs> well, that's right. Um, it sounds like Garth probably would have you back just quietly, just from what you said. But I will leave you to your evening now. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. The song is Hometown Fantasy. You are Baden Faint. Baden, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.